Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to another episode of a Herd App production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left, I have, let me say this again, a 16-year-old who plays, or 17. Man, I forgot. You're 17. You said the same age as my son, but that doesn't matter. 17-year-old kid who travels for hockey, and he plays for the Junior Canes Association. Then we have his dad to his left, John Rich. This is Alex Rich. Welcome, guys, to the show. Obviously, my biggest thing that I always like to see is, one, you're playing a sport that not many can succeed at or even play at a high level from this area. Two, there's a story of where it all began. There's a story to where we're at right now. And, of course, you already know what you want to do in the future. And those kind of things don't all match up, but it's weird how the roller coaster goes and people take it. So if you could think back to your sporting time, what do you first sport you remember playing back in the day? I think that would have to be hockey. 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 What age was that? Two. Age of two. So when you think back of your hockey and you think back of that, what other sports did you play as you started growing up? Do you remember when you started adding a few? Uh, maybe when I was four or five. There was one year, two years of baseball. There was uh, tennis, basketball. A little bit of tennis, basketball, a little bit of uh, a brief snippet of soccer in the beginning. Um, and there was some soccer. In- we got back to soccer last couple of years, but. Okay, so then if we look at that real quick and we talk about just even the hockey at a very young young age, Jonathan, what were you thinking about getting him into hockey at a very young age? And, and where did that start in your mind? Was it something you played, something you grew up with? So it wasn't something that I ever played. I always wanted to. Uh, I've been a fan of hockey probably since the Miracle on Ice game. That was my first memory of hockey. We were original season ticket holders for the UNO Mavericks. And um, right before they were born, we had won an auction event, go down to the CenturyLink Center and have lunch with the team. Uh, Mike Kemp give us a tour of the facility. Got done with that. We're sitting on the bench, and I asked Coach Kemp, if I wanted my kids to play hockey, when would that start? And I assumed I would get five, six. And the answer he gave me was as soon as they can walk. So – we didn't quite do it then because they were like six months old. But um, about a week after they turned two is the first time they hit the ice. Now, if you're listening, you're wondering why I say them. There is another twin brother. He's just not as open as Alex, and that's okay. We got Alex here, and that's what matters. So you got the word from a coach, which is probably not something you really think you would get of saying something as soon as they walk. You get them in as soon as they start walking. What was the price range starting back then and what you got into? I don't remember. It wasn't anything like what it is now. Um, You would pay for sessions at a time. You'd go maybe once or twice a week over to Moylan. They called it Learn to Skate. Um, That evolved into um, uh, IP. Um, And then once they got through that, then they they were able to go play, you know, in gear and I think when they were, they were four was the first time they were on a team in gear, and uh, they called them a termite then. And then uh, they did two years of that, and then we took a year off, 
the schedule got a little kooky um, and all they did was power skating when they were six. And then when they were seven, we moved up to Fremont and that's where we spent the remainder of our youth career till they were 14 and finished up with the Bantams. All right. So we're out at Fremont. We're learning the game. We're moving at seven, age of seven. So I want you guys all to know when you talk about soccer, when you talk about basketball, when you talk about football, a lot of those organizations don't start till five, six, sometimes eight, nine, depending on what it is. So when you're looking at an early age, you're, you're feeling the, the hockey and your dad and your mom start throwing in these other sports. What's your first thought of, let's just say tennis. What, what did you think that would get you? I don't know. It was like, you know, I was still really young then. So you're not really thinking about the future, I guess. But, okay. Um, did you, did just, you kind of feel different or like, like, cause I only, I only wonder when people skate good, the ice feels like their home. You know what I mean? Like it feels like common ground compared to me. I'm out there like, you know, waddling and trying to just get along. But I mean, you've been skating since the age of two. And ice is what you know, and then you go on to a, a common ground sport. Does, does that ever make you think differently? No, not really. I mean, you mentioned tennis, but, I mean, like with soccer, I know a lot more about soccer. Um, I can just go out there and have fun, you know, not really thinking about how the ground feels. You just go out there, do your thing, have a good time. Okay. And so soccer obviously is a love that you have because obviously you also continue to go back when you can and support it. What is some similarities that you love between soccer and hockey? And what are some things that you really liked hockey over soccer and stuck with hockey? Um, so some of the similarities probably, um, it's going to sound weird, but how they play, like you're looking at soccer, just how they move the ball around. Uh, they're passing to each other, you know, a lot of that building up the play can, uh, it resembles hockey, you know, they're obviously not the same, but they're super similar. No, but you're, you're talking a good inside of soccer because when people that normally think of soccer, they're just like, they're just kicking a ball. Yeah. But if you're a guy who thinks of offense and you're a guy who thinks of defense, there's a rhyme and a reason to the passes that you make. So mm -hmm. that, that totally makes a lot of sense yeah. and it's a good comparison. So what's some of the things that you're like, ah, this is why I stick to hockey over soccer? Um, the physicalities, I guess, could be one part of it. Um, All right, so how many red cards? We got to ask, right? So, um, For soccer. I never really played a high enough level of soccer. Okay. Like, once we got into it, they weren't really giving out red cards because okay. still playing the rec level. So a lot of yellows? Yeah, warnings. I got, one time I got a yellow for uh, Descent. What is uh, that? Not being nice to a ref. Oh, <laughs> okay. That stuff happens, right? Yeah. But... You can say different stuff in hockey than you can in soccer. Um, okay. I didn't know that. That's good to whether know. Whether it's to yourself or to the ref. Oh. You can still. Yeah, at a, at a soccer, the refs don't yeah. want you to say a word to them or well, even touch them or anything. So when you look at some of those comparisons, obviously you like the physicality of hockey. Is it, you know, when I, when I say this about football, not everybody's built for football, like because of the physicality yeah. and because of stuff like that. Growing up through the hockey that you've seen, 
is there some people that skate scared or aren't as physical or do everybody kind of match what you bring to the table? Um, I definitely think there are some players who I wouldn't say skate scared. You know, everybody at my level, you know, expects to be hit and to have to deal with contact and maybe dish some out themselves. But there are players who, you know, won't be as willing to dish out that contact as some others may be. And what do you, what do you, what do you see the, do you see a difference in that aspect in the sport? You definitely. Um, when they could start hitting and checking and ban them, you could tell the ones that were, weren't afraid of contact and, and which ones that were. And, and like he said, they're playing at a level now where um, everybody hits and it's a physical game. Um, even at the, at the junior level that they're playing, um, you know, you've seen some of the hits I've shown you, um, not just that he's done or his brother, um, but just other kids in general where, you know, um, they're, they're hitting and, uh, if there's a clean way and there's a, there's a dirty way. And if, uh, and that's where they have rules and if it's dirty, you're going to get, you know, two, five or toss. Yeah. And, um, um, but there's definitely kids that, that grow up playing and then once, they realize that they can get hit. Maybe they don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and so when we're coming up, obviously we're at Fremont. What kind of level of hockey is Fremont hockey? So, cause I don't know the tiers. I don't know the levels I'm trying to understand. Obviously I know when you play for a team that has USPHL in front of it, I mean, you're using the word premier, you're using the word United States, you're using, you know, using all those big words. What is it here locally? Um, so here locally, um, in the state of Nebraska, there's what is it, four organizations. Uh, you talking about youth? Yeah. Yeah. Kearney, so, Lincoln, Omaha, and Fremont. So the, those four organizations, for the most part, play at the A or B level. Um, Omaha and Fremont have double A teams, which is a little bit higher. Um, you know, those teams can go to nationals, whereas some of the A-level teams, B-level teams aren't going to go to nationals. Um, and then there's the Omaha Mastery Program, which is AAA. It's Tier 1. That's the top level of youth hockey you can play in the United States. Um, but Fremont, when we played there, um, we actually started out the rec level. But as we got older, the organization started adding more higher-level teams, um, we actually were part of the South Dakota league system for two years. Um, so does that involve a lot of traveling? Is I mean, because that, that th- year did thinking yeah. of around here. There's a, num- that, a number of trips to South Dakota. Okay, I was gonna say it just doesn't feel. I don't feel the hockey. I have went to the ho- high school hockey that is around here. It was fun to go watch down at Baxter. I mean, the environment. Um, I know it was like prep and Millard West. Yeah. But the environment felt like I was at a, a live game. Um, so seeing at the high school level, and you got the Fremont obviously traveling to South Dakota, is the competition between a high school lower or right where the South Dakota area would be? Would you think? Well, South Dakota, they were that was uh, eleven and twelve age group. Um, so the high school hockey. You know, it, it is what it is. It's a it, it's club. Some teams are better than others. Um, the talent, the way the teams can be selected, you'll have some better teams and some teams that struggle. 
Um, but in comparison to where, well, let's even say the Omaha Junior Lancers. I mean, that is a higher level of high school hockey, Midwest high school travel, um, Missouri, Iowa, and uh, Nebraska. Um, you know, and then like he was saying, you get into the the, the U18, U16, AAA levels. Um, Lincoln has a U18, AAA team now. So the level of hockey, there are there are higher levels in the state. When you do that, you're also talking about cost, and um, then you get to the to their level. They're at the same level, technically, as the Omaha Junior Lancers and the USHL. Gotcha. So there's three tiers of junior hockey. There's Tier One, USHL, Tier Two, NCDC, and NAL, the North American Hockey League, and then there's EHL, EHLP, USPHL Premier, USPHL Elite, and then the NAL Three. So there's five different organizations that do tier three juniors. So if you're trying to find to go from Fremont to the next level for yourself, I'm going to ask you and your dad here in this situation, you're thinking of the next year after you left Fremont prior to knowing what team you're going to go to. Maybe you don't even know you're going somewhere was Lancers on top of your list before thinking of outside of Omaha area. Um, you say Lancers, and I'm going to give you probably a different answer than you expect. Um, so that year after we left Fremont was the COVID summer. So we spent a lot of time on the ice, and it was really beneficial. Um, and then, yeah, we, so we tried out for the Omaha Junior Lancers, which is a high school program. We didn't make that team, but they had a – jv reserve so level below junior varsity and that was made up of the best high school club players so the high school club is going to be your creighton prep miller Miller north um so after not making that team before they had announced this other team we had thought oh we're just going to go play for miller north because that's where we went to school gotcha and we played there that year we also played for this uh, junior varsity reserve, which was part of the junior Lancers program. So now did you as a father on that part, I'm only asking because it, from what he's explained, it was like a team that they added more than it was or more than they had. Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a planned team. There were some a variety of reasons that the organization, Omaha hockey club decided to do that. Well, and it was a COVID year, so I could only True. imagine, um, you don't want to lose anybody in that. That that yeah. was part of it. They wanted to keep those kids in Omaha and not go to some of the other um, high school, Midwest high school teams gotcha. in, the, in the area. Um, it, it it worked out great. We thought it was great. They play with, uh, like you said, it was probably not all the best kids, but the, the best kids of the makeup of the high school team. They had a very successful season. Um, uh, played the... Omaha Junior Lancers in October in a championship game here lost four to three um, nice. after being beat like eleven to one in that that morning. Um, they finished, That's a big difference. Finished second yeah. in a championship game in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in December. Um, finished second in what all three St. Louis four St. Louis tournaments, something like that. Um, and then uh, at the end of the season, we had a tournament in Omaha, which they ended up winning, and that was a great way to to kind of cap off that year. It was a lot of fun. Um, 
everybody got along great. We all had fun with the parents. The travel was fun, even though we were dealing with COVID stuff. To me, it sounds like you guys are the underdog that some people kind of, oh, we'll put a team together. We'll see what happens. It obviously sparked something. You can go further into yeah. what you were getting into when it came to the Lancers or. So, yeah, we uh, obviously spent time splitting time between both our club high school team and that uh, junior Lancers team. And like you said, that was a great year. Um, me and Zach both developed a lot. And a coach, a couple coaches out in New Hampshire reached out to us and we went with a program there. And so before you even get there, you're, you're a part of a program, you're building something as, you know, some people might see, okay, we're the JV, but we're actually building more than they thought. We're a team that can win. But was it a little bit because you weren't chosen for that top team that other opportunities become a little brighter in your eye? I only say it because you're not looking somewhere close. It isn't like you're just going next door or down south or north. I mean, you're looking at a far distance. Yeah. Uh, what made know. you think of, of something like a New Hampshire? Dad, uh, is there something uh, that brought it in on you? or? Um, we signed up for a service that's similar to like a huddle. Okay. And one of the things that they would do is take game film and turn it into highlight videos. Nice. And so I got 11, 12 games um, through the month of January, sent that in. They edit it out. They point out the player. They show the plays. Um, and then they post it onto their uh, their profiles, just like you, you would with Huddle. And that was where uh, shortly after the season, as we were beginning summer season, coaches had started to reach out. It was never part of the plan. It, it was not anything that my wife or the boys had planned. The plan was uh, make Omaha Junior Lancers, try and play there for four years. Okay, well, now we'll try and play there for three years and um, then go play some level of college, whatever that is. If it's D1, fabulous. If it's D3 or, or Division One ACHA, which is club, fabulous. Or even D2. I mean, they, they were out in North Carolina. North Carolina played North Carolina State in uh, the football stadium right after the Capitals and the Hurricanes, and there were 27,000 people there to watch a. See, to me, hockey. that that outside at the stadium, those are the ones that, yeah, that totally was, get. That, we actually had another experience, not only watching that college game, but we actually got the opportunity to play in an outdoor game this year. See, that to me, man, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So you moved to New Hampshire, and this is, is this for the Wolves, I believe, yeah. right? New England Wolves? Yes. So if you think of where you were and you think of where the wolves are, what would be the difference or a comparison that someone might be able to think as far as the playing style or the challenge that comes at hand? Um, so we were playing high school club, which, um, you know, nationally isn't necessarily sending – Lots of players to college. I mean, you know, some of the better players might go, but a lot of kids are just going to college to go to school. Um, meanwhile, the level that we went to at the Wolves, that's where you start getting into, like, not only where players are going to the play for club teams, you know, players are getting talked to by top club teams and Division One programs, Division Three. So. And you as a father and, and your wife, how are you guys going through this emotion of 
I mean, they're not going to be home. How does schooling, how did like, I mean, it isn't just a game anymore. It's the everyday Monday through Friday going through school. It's when the visits are, unless you move out there. And I don't think that was a part of the plan or didn't happen. I don't, I don't know. Obviously we'll get there, but I mean, it's a a, plan, but it did almost happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a roller coaster that, you know, I could tell you from travel baseball, travel basketball, none of that's ever even crossed my mind. It's the only sport that does this where if you want to go play at a higher level, there's a a very distinct possibility that you're going to have to leave home at a somewhat young age. Um, We were somewhat prepared for them to be gone because they had gone to summer camp the few years beforehand and they were gone for eight weeks and there was no, no contact. So if we wanted to know if they were alive, they had to send us. So what kind of summer camp? This is for hockey. No, this is just kids, kids summer camp. Really? See, I wish that's the one thing I I have to say, if you got a kid, make sure you get them before they're 18, 19 to try to leave for a camp or something, because it's not as easy because they're so homebody. So what age group is this that they do the, that they did the eight weeks? Um, Well, us personally, we went from going into fourth grade to when we were going into. So about nine, 10, Uh, this camp, they run from all the way now from going into third grade to rising seniors. And okay. I think, I I mean, it's gotta be a little reality there of eight weeks. And then especially with the journey that you're about to go into. Uh, Like I think the only thing that was difficult about the eight weeks and, and on one hand it was eight weeks and on one hand it went really fast is you don't have any contact with them. Okay. So, there's no computers and there's no phones and there's no Xboxes. They go, they get on the bus, their phones were left in the car. And, you know, we write a letter or two and, um, um, they go do stuff at the lake, the wood shop, art, uh, musicals, uh, sports, um, living in cabins that are not the nicest cabins you're ever going to be with bunk beds. So we were used to that when the opportunity came up to go to New Hampshire, one, yeah, they, they would be gone. But the other thing is we, we would have the ability to have contact with them whenever we want. Send them a text, call. Well, especially call. nowadays, the yeah, video yeah. call so makes it a little it, it easier. It made it much easier. Um, uh, we also looked at where we were at. Where would we be? Would they make the junior Lancers? We just felt the opportunity from the hockey perspective was one we couldn't pass up. And I spoke with a couple of fathers whose kids were going to be there. One had been there the year before one was going there this year. They were both really into the world of hockey from, I mean, from the professional level down. So their insight, it was just, we just felt that it was the right thing to do. And if they wanted to do it, we would support it. So being a father, just real quick on the insight, how do you gain the trust? What what do you what do you really feel on something like that? The only reason, I mean, everybody's trying to get the one up. I'll I'll say it like this: it's no different than college recruiting. You know, when Matt Rules walk into a house, or you know, Bob Stoops or Nick Saban, you have to convince that family that you're going to develop that they're going to develop your child, that they're going to take care of your child and do all the things that they tell you they're going to do. And I also think, like I said, the two other dads that I had talked to 
and where they were in the world of hockey helped a lot. Um, needless to say, some of the things didn't work out as we expected last year. And we had made the decision, even though they had offered them to stay, that we were going to move on to another organization. So you go to New Hampshire. You're how old at that time? Um, I was 15 when I went up there. So 15, 15, 16. 15, 16. What was your first thought of leaving home, going all the way to New Hampshire, and not playing amongst your friends, your teammates, your brothers? Now, obviously, you have your brother. Yeah. That probably helps a little. But growing up, and you're so used to playing with everybody here, did you know that this is what you had to do if you want to get to the next level? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of just like, it's almost like walking into a new job. You don't know what you're going to expect. But I, mean, I guess in the end, everything ends up all right. Um, it, it was definitely a lot different. Um, and because we were at the rink all day, you know, it's not seeing your teammates two or three times a week. You're seeing them all day, every day for eight months, you know. It's your your team dynamic is a lot different. It's almost like your family. So, Because I'm pretty sure three days a week, I know it don't sound a lot, but you still have people that miss. You still have people that take other opportunities so the growth the bond the come together is not the same like you're experiencing now at when you were at new hampshire what was your biggest fondest thing that you really remember about new hampshire that like you wish other people would experience um i feel like just getting these connections like i know people now who live in canada who live in california people who live in florida so, you know, you've got all these connections across the country and there's, there's these guys that you've built really strong relationships with and moving into the professional world and even just having them as friends is really cool and really important. Now, yeah. I want you guys to know this is a 17-year-old that's talking well beyond his years when he's thinking at the age of 15, 16, the bonds and all that. What's the number one thing that, you regret that you didn't do while you were up there any regrets not really yeah what was the number one thing you missed while you were gone um or that you wanted to come back home um i missed my dog (laughs) (laughs) the little things yeah it's the things that you don't expect you know like we were saying earlier about communicating like with our parents like you're still able to talk to all your friends and stuff but there's the other things you miss, you know, you don't get the same meals that you would get from your parents. You don't get to see your pets. Even it sounds weird, but you miss school in a way. Speaking of that, what is school like? What was school like at the age of 15, 16? We just got out of COVID. So we're already the online stuff and all that's the same. What kind of schooling do you do as a traveling hockey player? So I do an online school. Um, it's a program through the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. They have a high school, and it's self-paced, so you pick the classes that you need to take, and um, you read through your content. They've got content on the website that they host everything on. You've got your books. Um, so 
you know, you go through all your lessons, go through your units. After you're done with that, you've got your progress tests. And you really just work through that on your own pace. So during this whole time, though, is there coaches following up? Is there tutors? Is obviously mom and dad are probably watching the books pretty close. There were certain is things, the there were staff certain there? things we were told were going to happen as we came to the school that, that did. That was one of the things up there that um, made us want to look elsewhere. Um, there are hockey teams um, throughout the country that will tell you their academy programs. Okay. So you'll go there, you get up in the morning, um, maybe, the, maybe the setup is you hit the ice in the morning, and you hit the gym, you have lunch, and then... Um, from say one to five, you're just doing school with tutors and, and advisors to help you get through your stuff. Um, and that was kind of what we had been told. And, and that didn't necessarily happen the way that we expected. It's fine. It just didn't. And, um, but it was one of the things where we looked at to maybe what do we want to do the next upcoming season? Gotcha. So then what did you feel when it came to the education part? Because right now your words, the way that you're presenting it, like it sounds like education is very important to you. But did you feel supported? Did you feel like you had everything you needed? Um, mm. <laughs> or did you just kind of go with the wind? It's and- kind of wingy. I mean, the thing with how the program is set up is they do have help. Um, you know, you can email your teacher. They've got other people you can email. But a lot of it is just getting through it on your own and working through whatever. And you're still 15, 16, so you're still doing the – it's hard to ask the question. It's, if you have to think back to in class or what you had to deal with during that time, what would you much rather have? Um, I, I'd rather be in, in school. Um, so that, um, our freshman year with Miller North um, – we weren't doing a full online or half online, you know? I mean, there were options if you wanted to, but we just went into school. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, you know, we weren't dealing with the online school. And so two years ago, two seasons ago, was really our first experience with that. So, Gotcha. And so then now, obviously, you get through New Hampshire. How far did that team go? What was the greatest feat and what was the biggest defeat um, of that season? We won a couple of championships in the leagues that we were in. Um, we were supposed to go to a – so in USA Hockey at that level, you play in your state between all the other teams that are in that specific level. And the winner of that state moves on to a regional tournament. That regional tournament goes on to the national tournament. So we had qualified for our regional tournament, and because of some things that happened, we weren't able to go. But I feel like just knowing that we were able to get there, and you know, being able to know that we could compete with teams like that, that ticket was punched. Yeah. The experience was missed. So the, the what I'm taking from it is your great feat was the fact that you knew how high of a level you guys could be at. Mm-hmm. But then it also is on the other side of Just the defeat where you're like, away. this is what we do, and now it's gone. Yeah, 
Now, you don't have to go into details, but when it came to that defeat part of it, and you think of that part, was it a team thing where people just needed to hold each other accountable, or was it more of a pointing the finger of who it was? Um, it was definitely a point the finger on who it was. Um, and it sucks to have something like that taken away from you when it's not your fault, especially when as a team, it's not your fault. But um, luckily we had found out before we played our final game of the season and, you know, we were able to, to get that experience of, you know, this is our last time. Well, that is, man, that does change it. Cause did you guys play any different that last game? Um, so it was actually our second to last game that we found out. Okay. And we went out there in that next game and we did not play well. I mean, we were pretty shaken up. And then the next day, uh, we went into shootout and won in shootout in our last game of the season. So, okay. So you went out with a bang. You also had the ups, the downs. Now you guys are getting to the level where you're at now at the age of 16, 17 at the USPHL League, the United States Premier Hockey League for the Junior Canes. How did you find this out? Because it's it's obviously got to come through connections of you, but also their playing style. How did this connection happen with all the way at that level? The year before they went up to the play for the Wolves, they got an email from an organization down in West Palm Beach, Florida, the Tampa, uh, the uh, Florida. Florida Eels, excuse me. And um, we didn't really do anything with that. We'd already committed to the Wolves, so no big deal. We were watching the national tournament for the USPHL last year, which was held actually was held in Hudson, New Hampshire. And the Eels are just smoking teams. And I brought, asked them, and, and he said, yeah, they're really good, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, why don't you reach out to them and see if they're spot for the Chowder Cup. They do some summer showcases in, in Massachusetts. And we went up there um, about a year ago, mid-May, and the owner of the organization sat down with me and the boys and said, you know, we want to offer you a contract. So that's where it started. Um there's a family advisor type individual that I had spoken with uh, one of their billet brothers, their parents were friends with this guy. I also met him on that trip and he had said to me, don't do anything yet. Don't sign with the wolves. Don't sign with the eels. Let me reach out to some other organizations of people that I know and see what we could maybe put together. There were a handful of teams that we talked to. Um, I spoke with coaches, general managers. Um, when I spoke to the hurricanes, general manager. Well, I spoke to the head coach first and then the general manager called me. He knew one of the, those hockey dads that I was telling you about. So once again, the connections that even goes all the way down to your son. So I understand I called, I called uh, Dave and I said, um, what's the general manager's name? Um, Lincoln says he knows you. And, and Dave says, Oh yeah, I remember Lincoln. He used to run the Springfield picks back in the mid eighties. He's a great guy. So then here again, I, I, I had, I could trust an opinion of somebody. Um, they spoke to the boys. Uh, I went through the website where they play. They play in the same facility as the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, look, got some, saw some pictures of, of where their locker rooms would be. And we talked about it. They talked to the, to the coach and the general manager. Um, and it just felt like the right fit. Now, for you, did you feel the right fit right away? I mean, you just moved to New Hampshire. 
what what was your thoughts when when you heard from the canes and um you know at that point we were still definitely up in the air talking to multiple teams at that time was there any talk of coming back home um they not really <laughs> is it almost like you leave here and it's hard to come back i mean what's the atmosphere it, it's not I'll, I'll talking answer, down or... quickly we were after a different showcase we were contacted by the lincoln stars triple a team okay but between cost and, and there being a new organization we weren't sure that's where we wanted to be okay um i think we spoke to three different u18 triple a teams um lincoln including one so that would have been the option to come home but again it this felt right all right so here we go alex you show up down to yeah. the facility your dad's already talked a little bit about it you're seeing not only the prized possession of the nhl players but you're seeing your facilities connected you're seeing you're in the same area you're 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 as some would say breathing the same air you know on the same ice what what's your first thoughts man it was so cool um it's a beautiful facility it's like three years old so and where's this located at exactly um it's about 20 minutes northwest of raleigh north carolina okay so south by the airport okay as pop says south but either way so you roll up to this facility it's northwest okay. <laughs> i love it you pull up to this facility you're seeing what options you have what is the difference or the thing that you take from this that is better than the wolves obviously it's a different level but what's one thing that the Wolves still might have entailed in you that, you know, you still like to take to the Canes? I mean, anybody can say, the, you know, it's because it's got the junior Canes. Yeah. I've dealt with the, the NHL. Um, but The coaches are great people. Um, not only, like, when we arrived, because actually, like, the day we got there, the, the rink and the airport are 10 minutes apart. So we went straight to the rink, met the coaches. Um introduced us walked around the facility so you know from day one there was that um there's that connection and being able to build that with the the staff over the year was so it wasn't just a someone at the front door just greeting you as coaches it was mm -hmm. getting to to feel in touch and talk to them as far as to find out what you're really dealing with and, and yeah. what you're seeing now is there anything that you learned while playing with the wolves that you did take and still use to the day while you were playing with the Canes. The reason I say that is because no matter what happens, the bad, good, the difference, there's always something good that came out of it. Yeah. What would um, that good be for you? So with living away from home, um, in a way you're developing like professional skills. So to survive in this environment, um, you have to act like a professional athlete. I mean, you get into the higher levels and of this same level, this U20 level in Canada, they, the guys are getting paid. So, I mean, you're, you really have to act like a professional athlete. And that's, that's really good, strong words because some people just think you just get paid and you can act however you want, but you're not even being paid. And you know that you have to take the agenda to, to be a professional to 
act like you are getting paid. Yeah. Even though mom and dad are here paying for you to enjoy this investment. So you get there for the junior canes. Unfortunately, you did have a concussion. Yeah. Which takes you out. But that doesn't take you away. Mm-mm. Absolutely. What not. what was the support that you had from the team? Because the reason I ask this is some of the biggest things that people struggle with is the mental and just the mental aspect of not being able to do everything you love to do. What was that like and, and how did you uh, control that? So there's two main things that we said down in Carolina. One of them was one family, one goal. The other one was together, everybody achieves more. And um, having that family, um, you know, still went to the rink every day, still supported at every home game. Even the day after I got hurt, I was felt like crap, but still going to the rink to support my boys. Um, you know, so we're all supporting each other. That's really. No, uh, that's, that's strong because you're away from mom and dad. You're away from your best friend, the dog. I mean, that's everybody's best friend. Even though you have a twin, it's still your dog is your best friend. What is it like to have your brother to support you there? And how did that make it a little, even a little easier? You know, just being, it's like being close to home. Um, you just feel comfortable. Uh, That's always a good feeling. And for you guys back here at home, what what did you feel the support was from staff, coaches, the atmosphere? Because unfortunately, when you go from playing to not playing, sometimes you kind of get shoved to the side. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think in general, the first thing I'd say is that we couldn't say enough about staff. From the owner to uh, the coaching staff, uh, the, the wives, they're, they're very involved. The, the coach and the owner's uh, wives are involved. <clears throat> Excuse me, just all the information we had all season long from, from like the first week they showed up. Uh, can't say enough about it. Um, the, the, the coach is very supportive to all the boys. Um, they're not just Alex or Zach. There are you know, other boys had highs and lows and things that they were dealing with and injuries. And, you know, like you said, every day they were at the rink and everybody's supportive. Um, and, and you could see that in their play. Um, it's, it's tough to be that good if you don't have a locker room that, that has the, that, that chemistry and, um, the character you know, to play at a championship level. So it didn't, we weren't real worried about it. Um, had a good doctor down there. Um, spoke with him on a few occasions. Um, you know, it was just more unfortunate for him that he just couldn't get on the ice. Um, but, it, you know, he was a trooper this year. He got a, he got cut under the chin, had some stitches. Yeah, during uh, the game. Now, how many concussions have you had in hockey? This was actually my first one from hockey. So. <sighs> I'm yep. sorry. I mean, yeah, one totally. out of the big hits. I mean, out of everything that you give and take, uh, I mean, my son's been in the same thing, but his was not from sports. And I mean, he's been playing tackle football since the age yeah. of six. So to be able to get through all that, when did you get back on the ice? Was it before the end of the season, right? Yeah. Um, I got back on the ice in December. No, it was January, the first week of January. So yeah, I got hurt. Second week in November and got back the first week of January. Now I could have got back on sooner, full contact, but obviously you're dealing with the winter break there. So 
we didn't play until that first week of January. So gotcha. it was more like So when you came back for winter break, was it getting on did you skate yeah. and get a lot of your I think I skated like six or seven times in the two weeks we were home. And and what connections do you have to have here to to or do you just go to an open rink? Do you just much, go to yeah. like when anybody can um, skate? I mean, we're pretty fortunate in our situation. The city of Omaha has like five or five rinks and that have stick and puck, free skate, whatever. So they just have different times that you're able to kind of do different things. Yeah. Okay. I've only been there a couple of times and that's to fall on my butt, but that's it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know schedules. Now, um, when you talk about hockey and you talk about getting back on the ice for the Canes, through this whole growing process, what's a position that you love to play and what's a position you wish you were better at to play? Um, I really enjoy playing defense. Um, you have to be really physical to play at our level. You know, It's a lot of hitting, and I enjoy that. Um, but I used to play winger when I was really young, and I'm hoping to get a little better at that, you know, maybe so I can be used on, I guess, both sides of the puck. Okay. And dad, what would you say? Uh, I wanted to say one other You're thing okay. you asked about support. Um, when you send your children away uh, to do this, the, the big thing that you have to have is a great billet family. So the family that they live with, they did a great job of helping let us know what was going on. Um, they, had a, they had a great family that they live with. They were, three on their team to the R2 and another. And then there was one that played on the premier. Um, but you know, anytime there was, they thought there was any level of issue, whether it's concussion or whether it was something else, they always made sure that we knew about it and that they were going to be there to help take care. Um, and I think that's about as important as, is anything is having a great billet family. And they had, they had great billet people. Once we got that straightened out in New Hampshire as well, two, two great ladies that, that took care of them last year, as far as what they play, um, that's between them and their coaches. Um, do you like to see either or, or do you feel like they're better at one? And I mean, every dad has that where you're like, eh, my son really should be here. Maybe I got it. I have to include my wife with this. I think, I think mom and dad both think that he should be playing defense and that Zachary should be playing forward. Uh, he'd been center for a number of years. I didn't decide this year. He didn't want to be a center. So he's playing wing. I gotcha. So we get back on the ice and, and Dan, obviously he, he agrees with your defensive side. You get back on the ice, your team goes the distance. Before you even get to the distance of the championship game, what kind of experience did it feel to get back into the routine of things? And what was your biggest struggle? Um, I think the biggest struggle was gaining back my conditioning. Obviously, I wouldn't say I was sitting around for three months. You know, I was still trying to do whatever I could, but... For the most part, sitting around for three months, you're going to lose your conditioning. Concussions so, are real. I mean, it, it's a struggle mentally to where you're like, I want to go. Yep. I know how to go. But sometimes, whether it's a headache, yeah. whether it's it's anything, and you can't take that stuff you, for granted. You mentioned that, too. You know, the first couple of weeks after you get back out on the ice, too, you're you're really conscious about your head. You know, it's not something you really notice when you're just normally playing. When you've not been concussed, but, you know, I got back on the ice and, 
you know, I used to be able to take, you know, maybe a puck, some reason hit my head or yeah, a stick or whatever, you know, where, where I definitely was thinking like, like being scared almost of something hitting my head again, even if it's just like a puck or a stick with my helmet on. And was that any, what was any worries back home was, or were you just, and I, I know as a father and, and, a and, a having my wife, it's not always the same. And this is his first one. So as a dad, I'm going, okay, well, he's in the proper hands. They're making sure he's medically right. As a mom, sometimes, I mean, I know my wife hated football for the longest, didn't want him to do it, thinking concussion, concussion, concussion. But when they prove it against where they do the right things and they don't have them consistently. Once we spoke with the doctor, all of us, and he felt the testing had gone well and then he was back on the ice, you you watch and, and see if and how they take a hit and, gotcha. and then if they're fine, they're fine. And then, you know, by two or three weeks after they're here back on the ice, you don't, you don't even really think about it. I mean, any kid at any time playing hockey, there's a chance you could get a hit. That's going to cause a concussion for sure. Um, they could be outright, you know, contacts to the head or they could be um, as a friend of theirs had here in town at a freak kind of, knee to the side of the head. He was out eight months. So, um, you know, at any point it can happen. So I don't think that we were real worried. He seemed to be fine. And, um, you know, as a whole, there's not lots of head contact in hockey because it's illegal. Yeah. Well, that's always good, especially as you get to higher levels, that stuff is probably a little more watched than at lowers, or maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty not legal at all levels. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's I, just a lot harder at their level and above. I gotcha. So we get up to the championship game with the junior canes and who's the team that you're facing. Um, we played a team from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Knights. Um, they were one of three teams this season that were incredibly successful in the regular season. Um, the three of us all had, 75 points or above in 44 games a season so that's two for two for a win 44 games man. one for is this hockey loss. nhl 82? 82 yeah so you guys are almost at that level you guys are creeping up on that level yeah so you get up to the championship game what's your first thoughts coming back well um no so the the national tournament was uh, it started out with a round robin of eight teams split into two groups, and um, top two teams in each group advanced to the semifinal and the final. Okay. Um, just to talk about our journey through that a little bit. So we started out our first game, played a team from Florida. Um, didn't come out the best in the first period. We were down at the end, and then we ended up coming back throughout the game, won that one. And then, yeah, so in the second game, uh, we had played really well all game. Um, it was still close at the end, but with about six minutes left, um, a bad check. One of our teammates goes down. Um, his helmet had come down, and I'm right here, and uh, he got knocked out for, I don't know, he was probably down for like 10 or 15 minutes. So... He ended up having to be stretched off the ice. We were able to come out with the victory in that game. Um, 
So the regrouping. Yeah. Who leads that? Um what what what's the main thing you remember about regrouping? Uh, you you ask who leads it, we lead it, you know. We're a team and there wasn't like a, a senior or the the oldest or the most experienced or everybody just pulled together. Yep. Um we, we did a prayer on the ice, but um you know, we got back into it and um got the power play goal because kid who hit our kid ended up being in a five minute. So we got that goal probably a minute or two after and just ended up coming back from that. Um went back to the hotel that night. We were all waiting in the lobby for him to get back to the hotel. It was like one thirty. So we went through that the second game. In the third game, we played the team we ended up facing in the championship. Um, and we just, we didn't not play well. Um, they scored first. We got another one back a couple minutes later, and then they just ended up, and it was like 6-1. Six, 6-1, one. Six, one. yeah. 6-1. It was a bad game. Um, but we just put it behind us, you know. We ended up getting into the semifinal, obviously. Um, By going two and one, right? Yep. Gotcha. So we were second in our group, ended up facing the first team, number one team in the other group, who was also one of those other teams with 75-plus points. They actually won't. No, they they got second in the regular season. We got third. The team we played in the championship got first. Um, but we, we play them. Um, and in that semifinal game, it was a defensive showdown. Both of our goaltenders played amazing games. Um, 82 we, shots on goal. We ended up shots. between the two teams. Um, we ended up getting a power play goal. I couldn't even tell you how it went in. It, I think it was <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> someone tried passing it to the front of the net bounced off someone or something. So it wasn't even a but, shot. It was just a no. ricochet. Um, I think it went off the back of the goalie's leg, it, I, actually. They don't ask how. They ask how many. <laughs> All so, right. So, that, that's a good one. They don't ask how. They just ask how many. So we win that game one nothing, and we're in the championship. Um, now, if you had asked anyone that – since January, they probably would have said it would have been us and the team we played in the championship playing each other. And I just want to say, in mid-August when we took them down to North Carolina, they had a team meeting with all the parents and all the all the players. And the coach stood up in the meeting and said, we're going to win nationals. This team has been put together to win a national championship. That's bold. So my, we, my wife and I looked at each other like, oh, okay. We heard this. Go ahead. Go so, ahead, boss. Championship um, game. It was, it was so stressful. Um, I couldn't play because I had a pretty bad hit. But um, watching that was one of the most stressful things I've ever watched. Um, you scored. Yeah, we scored first, and then they got one back, and we scored, then they got one. So ends up two to two, end of the third. We're going into overtime. And now overtime rules for hockey. It's not. 
whoever well, scores first wins, right? No, it is. It is. Okay. So sudden death overtime, because it's the playoffs, it's not a five minute three on three. It's gonna be a twenty minute continuous five on five. You know, we will play till the end. And there has been situations with this format before where teams have gone into six oh, overtimes. I just couldn't imagine being on skates that long, so, but go ahead. We get through the first we're in the first, the first overtime. overtime. Um we actually took a penalty. Um killed that off. Um again, great goaltending. Um and for those who aren't hockey, it's okay. Kill it off just means that they were able to keep the puck on the other end and not give up a goal. Um so finish that. No one scores in that first period, so we're going into the second overtime. You know, I'm stressing out. Everyone's legs are tired, you know, they've played 70 or 80 minutes of hockey. Um, thankfully, though, you know, we get, the, we get the ice cleaned, get back out there, and it took 30, 30 seconds for uh, one of my teammates to score the winning goal. And while we're talking about the winning goal, this is the winning goal of the national championship for his league right here. Check it out. This, nope. this is it. Tune in. Puck dropped. Hockey time. McHale sticked away by Markham. Let's get after it. Strong on the puck. Across the blue line, catching a skate with it. That was Brody Bass who knocked it away. Just outside the reach of McHale who almost got away. We're back at it. This one turned over. It's a two-on-none. Take it in to the forehead. Judd score! Mark Antoine Vincent! Watch the weather here in Utica! There's a storm surge coming! Carolina! Your elite national champions! Brett, I'm heading nice side! There goes Dan. At some point, there's not words to say other than congratulations. Mark Antoine Vincent, 29 seconds into overtime. Sometimes it just takes a break of fortune. And in this case, that's what happened. Just a bouncing puck break in one way. Next thing you know, play reversed. Vincent moved in. And it only took 29 seconds of overtime for the Carolina Junior Hurricanes to win the USPHL Elite National Championship. All right, so we come back, winning goal. Everybody sees it. It's live. How's that feeling? Now, are you guys there? No. No, you guys are back home. We're watching on TV. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, Does it compare to anything else that you've played? I mean, you've been with hockey since the age of two. Uh So, you know, normally uh, kids – Players that aren't playing are on the bench. It's the national championship, so we're on the bench for both overtimes. You know, as a whole team, we're all together. Um, you know, we all see that goal go in, and we're just like, I, I'm just thinking like, wow, we did it, we did it. Um, you know, we all jump out under the eyes. Well, I couldn't imagine pile. the emotions, the everything, and and for you not being able to play part of the season. The end of the season by like you said the hit that you did or you took or whatever it's just the fact that you still knew that you were a part of that special something mm-hmm. yeah 
and now you bring it home. Is it going back there next year? What's 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 kind of the the game plan? We we want another shot at it, you know. Um, we're bringing back a good amount of guys. Um, you know, we're gonna add to a roster. Just hopefully rebuild the smack everyone again next year. So for those who've watched, we have a kid that played in Fremont, played locally, went all the way to New Hampshire, lived something new, went down to Carolina, lived an experience that some, whether you consider it close to the World Cup, I mean, it's got to have similar, <laughs> similar actions, similar feelings. Obviously, you're not kissing a cup, or maybe you are. There's nah. a cup. There's a cup? Yeah. And they get to kiss the cup. You go through that. What is your biggest goal this year? And besides, and this is your goal, not your team. Obviously, as a team, it's to win it all again. But what's your personal goal to finish? To one, make it known that your parents have put you on the right path. And two, to spring you forward to your future. Um, I think a good goal for me would uh, maybe increase my offensive output um you know pretty good defensively but i could probably work on that part of my game be a whole all-around player yeah okay now beyond hockey this is going to be short and sweet but i want to get chat on this what's your final goal for hockey um so what's your hopes after hockey um to Playing hockey, I hope to be able to get an opportunity to play for a college club, um, whether that's going to be NCAA Division Three or a club team, you know. Um, but I want to be able to attend a school that has an aviation program because I would like to be a pilot when I grow up. And, you know, you can use hockey to to get into schools that, you know, maybe you don't have the opportunity to get into if, you know, you're not doing that extra bit. Well, once again, I I, like just some of the stuff that this 17 year old is saying, like, obviously he's got role models ahead of him, whether sometimes you feel like you're not doing right, doing right. You can't have a kid move away, play a sport at the all time high, Obviously, would he love to be in the NHL? Who wouldn't? But he also knows that there's other opportunities besides sport. And, like, those things are priceless, man. I want to tell you, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. I appreciate just the fact of a sport that not many are aware of around here. Yeah, I mean, it it hurts that we don't have a sanctioned high school level. Definitely. Um, Um, And not saying that that's obviously the Canes level or anything. But just giving those kids the opportunity. So, yeah. once again, and, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I hope you know that you're an inspiration to more than you know just by the actions that you speak at a higher level than a 17-year-old in this day and age. Because it's real easy to get caught up into social media. How many likes do I have? It's all about the show when you know that you still got school. You're still trying to do something beyond hockey. Like those are the little things that you should cherish and take on. So once again, I appreciate everybody listening to Heard at Production, Wired Access Podcast. Once again, we have 
the Junior Canes defensive man, even though he wants to play offensive this year as well. Uh, Mr. Alex Rich, his brother, he does have a twin brother. I promise you, he's just as good as him. But, you know, each to their own. And then we have the father that's leading the way, of course, with Mama Bear at home. Jonathan Rich, I appreciate you guys coming on Her Dad Production. I'm DJ K-Dub Omaha. We'll catch you next episode. A Herd at Sports Network production.